Al Jazeera podcast. Downgrading the credit rating of the United States, the White House lashes out at what it calls the flawed assessment by Fitch Ratings. But what's worrying the financial experts? And is the world's biggest economy in trouble? I'm Sahil Rahman, and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze, and help define major global stories. Let's bring in our guests. William Lees, the chief economist at the American nonprofit think tank, the Milken Institute. He's with us live from Henderson in Nevada, from China. Capital, Ina Tangan, a senior fellow at the Beijing-based peace and development think tank, Tahi Institute. He's also a former investment banker and in Rochester, in England, Francis Coppola, an economist and banking commentator. She wrote the book, The People's Case for Quantitative Easing. Welcome to all my guests. Good to have you with us on this edition of Inside Story. William, can I start with you in Henderson, Nevada? The impact for the current situation is far-reaching, both domestically and internationally, short-term and long-term. How do you briefly assess the situation that the U.S. is facing? Well, the U.S. Uh, Treasury uh, market is at the core and foundation of the of the global financial system because every asset is priced off of U.S. Treasuries. So when Fitch lowers the rating of the U.S. Treasuries, it implies that they have lost confidence or uh, are less confident that the U.S. government is able to contain its spending in a way that keeps the debt uh, rising uh, at the size, uh, at the speed of the GDP or the the U.S. economy. One one of the worst things that can happen is if spending gets out of control and the size of the debt starts to grow faster than the U.S. economy itself is growing, because that implies the U.S. will be less able to pay the outstanding debt. And right now, the 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 government is uh, in a position where it can do something about it. But so far, Fitch is telling us that the government has not done the necessary measures to contain the growth of that debt. Francis Coppola uh, in Rochester. It really is a shot across the bows, isn't it? Yes, I think it is. I mean, um, I think the driver for this actually has been the, the threat of default um, caused by the debt ceiling shenanigans. This is not the first time we have had threats of default um, due to political infighting in the first days, I think in, since the financial crisis, this is actually the third time. And I think it probably is about time that uh, somebody said, this will not do, you should not play chicken with the world's global system like this. And we'll talk the specifics of uh, the Chinese angle during the programme. Uh, but how does, do you think, Beijing view what's going on in terms of the Fitch downgrade? Well, I mean, it's. I don't think it's particular to Beijing. You've just heard two commentators, uh, you know, uh, very carefully spell it out. Uh, the U.S., if it was not the United States, it would be a Ponzi scheme. Uh, think of it this way. Since 2001, the U.S. has been exceeding its income in terms of spending. That means if you got a salary of 100000 you are spending more than 100000 Since 2009, in addition to going into deficit on a yearly basis, uh, since 2009, they borrowed additional money, and that has increased the debt. So the U.S. is in a position now where it's borrowing to pay its debt interest. Uh, that's interest on the money it's already borrowed, with no end in sight, uh, as we saw with the, uh, uh, you know, kicking the can down the road. Uh, it's really about there is no solution. It polarized everything that my uh, fellow commentators have pointed out. So, yes, uh, it's an obvious conclusion. Uh, what is only strange is that the other uh, rating houses haven't joined in. 
Now, uh, William, can I just bring you back in here? Because I think I think what Janet Yellen is so angry about is the fact that these sorts of downgrades happen to countries that dare we say, are developing or third world or isolated or under sort of certain regimes. Her feelings have been hurt, but her professionalism perhaps has also been tainted slightly with all of this. Well, Secretary Yellen actually has focused the discussion onto the subject of economics. And she's right to say the U.S. is still the most powerful country uh, in the world and is, it is, is probably the most attractive place for investment money to come uh, 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 into the country. Uh, every country in the world is sending their savings to the United States because the United States is the most productive country in the world. But Fitch is telling us, well, it's not the U.S. economy they're worried about, it's the U.S. politics. They're not confident that the government itself, that both Democrats and Republicans, they're not confident that they will be able to contain the growth of spending. And in this case, it's mainly entitlement spending. They're spending for, for Social Security, health care, uh, which are the main drivers for the rise in spending. That, that, that somehow the Fitch is telling everyone, you know, the U.S. government is not able to either raise taxes or contain spending in a way that makes us confident the U.S. government will be able to pay off its debt in the long run. Well, William, while you were talking, uh, Ina was shaking his head in disagreement and Francis certainly was nodding in agreement. Let's go back to Ina first as to why you were shaking your head in disagreement. Well, I love this idea that somehow you could cut education and social welfare in a country which has 10.1% uh, uh, poverty already. You have people, droves of people going in the uh, streets. You have an economy which is pushing a lot of people to de default on their homes. Meanwhile, the unlimited spending is going to the military, uh, largest military uh, budget ever. The military was exempted from any kind of decrease. Uh, so, you know, this, this idea that the U.S. is, uh, you know, somehow doing uh, <laughs> the right thing here is, is kind of ridiculous. The U.S. has pursued a path of financial irresponsibility. And I'm not saying that from Beijing's point of view. How else can you explain it? We've exceeded our, our, our GDP in terms of our national debt. We're second in the world behind uh, Japan, which is uh, around 240 to 250, depending on which day you're measuring it. That's times 250 to 40 percent above their GDP. So we're in a rarefied era where our strength, yes, we have strength, there is growth, but it's not the kind of growth, nor is there a solution to this debt. Francis, you were, uh, I mean, you've heard both sides of it now, and you were nodding in agreement with William before. Can I just bring you in for a brief answer and reply? Yeah, I was nodding about the politics because I do think this is a political issue, um, that the reason why the US can't get control of its spending and can't direct it into the most um, socially effective and productive um, areas either um, is, is actually because of the dysfunctional politics. It, it, that fundamentally is, is the heart of the matter. It's the reason for the short-term view and the focus upon things that potentially don't matter as much as, for example, empowering the next generation, educating them, skilling them, and doing something about the demographic time bomb. And just not able to deal with it because the politics is so dysfunctional. Indeed, we talk about the politics. Uh, let's go back to William, because, you know, we're talking about uh, uh, divided governments or, or certainly divided uh, US political stances, you know, when it comes to the debt ceiling. We heard so much about it every time, either when the Republicans want to raise it or when the uh, Democrats want to raise it. Heated debates, real worries about where government services will stop, William. This happened, you know, uh, it happens time and time again. They just can't seem to find middle ground. Politics has got very personal. 
absolutely. And in fact, in the United States, politics has become uh, so uh, uh, dysfunctional, as as uh, uh, Ms. Coppola said, that the U.S. is not able to decide on priorities. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, Einar had his, uh, a great narrative about the size of U.S. military spending being the source of this problem. But U.S. military spending is only 3 percent of GDP and 12 percent of the U.S. budget. So military spending is actually scheduled to to, to shrink as a, as a share of GDP going forward. Um, so the budget actually is taking care of the military spending. It's really the, the social spending uh, for health care. And it's not so much the amount of spending, it's the cost of health care, which the U.S. has never been able to get a handle on going back to President Clinton uh, and his attempt to, to modify the, and, and reform health care. So, so for the United States, it really is a problem of costs going uh, out of hand, and the U.S. government not having the capability of making decisions, hard decisions, on how to contain costs of healthcare. Uh, let me bring in Francis, because I think we need a little bit of neutrality here. And you talked about the politics, Francis. You know, keep talking about the military, and I don't want to get too bogged down about the military, but the Fitch statement did talk about governance over the last 20 years. And within the last 20 years, we have two major military conflicts, one in Iraq, one in Afghanistan, and the military spending on those two alone has gone into the billions. That is a debt that the American government has to try and pay back because they borrowed money on there. This is actually exacerbating the problem that we're seeing now now, post-pandemic, and now the, the rise in the cost of living, which is affecting all Americans and, and the public globally as well? Well, I think we need to distinguish between two things. One is the deficit and the other is the debt. Um, the US has high levels of historic debt, partly because of the wars that it's um, engaged in um, in the last 20 years. And even before that, I mean, we should remember that, you know, the uh, even going back to the Vietnam War um, has left it with legacy debt. Um, and so the debt level is high anyway. But then on top of that, we have an entrenched deficit. In other words, that every year, all the time, its um, spending exceeds its revenues. Um, and I think it, it's from what the way I read Fitch's statement, in some respects, it was the entrenched deficit that concerned them more than the debt. Okay, Ina Sanger, let me just come back to you. We'll just move the conversation on a little bit more. 2011, uh, Standards and Poor's downgraded the US uh, at that time. There was panic a little bit. Banks moved to, you might say, uh, bolster up the financial community. This time, there's been no panic. There's been no major moves. Everybody's just got on with it. Um, What's going on? Because at the end of the day, is it China and Japan are by most of America's debt, uh, uh, and they're willing, they're happy to do that because again, there's this whole scenario about the strength of the dollar. Well, the, like the big four accounting firms, there are big three uh, in terms of rating agencies, and two of them have uh, maintained their AAA ratings, uh, ratings. So it's not really going to matter if, for any reason one of the other rating agencies downgrades the U.S., then it starts to matter because then it's a signal. A, a lot of contracts require that uh, at least two rating agencies uh, rate a bond at a certain level. If it's the, you know, somebody wants absolute safety, they'll say, well, we need two rating agencies who say that this is AAA bonds. If that doesn't things, then there are contracts that, you know, people say, well, I, I can't buy those. I have to buy something else. I'll buy Norwegian bonds or something like this. So it, it will make a sense. But I just want to add a, a little interesting note. 
Uh, two weeks after S&P uh, lowered their rating, they were investigated for fraud. Uh, the following year, in 2012, a, a group named Evans, which is a smaller rating house, uh, did the same thing. They downgraded twice, and they were promptly investigated by uh, uh, by the FBI, or un once again, under some sort of uh, fraud theory. They did settle it in the end, uh, but it was not a very happy circumstance. So, you know, I, I wonder if Fitch is, what is going to be punished uh, by them. Now, I disagree with this idea that, uh, uh, you know, the, the Treasury Secretary, Yellen, who is a quant, she's somebody who follows the data. I think she's just putting on a show. I mean, she has to be worried about these, you know, yearly uh, deficits, as uh, my colleague has pointed out. It's entrenched. It doesn't change. And then on top of that, more borrowing for wars and pandemics. Indeed. Uh, Francis, can I just come back to you uh, on the, the whole debate? You say you, we talk about the politics. You know, President Biden has actually even inferred that he thinks that the debt ceiling should go. It's even perhaps even against the Constitution. Uh, this may be a debate that will either head towards a presidential election or may be resolved uh, when the next president is elected. But you need a bipartisan approach, don't you, on these things? So can we expect more bickering and more instability? Because countries like China are watching, aren't they? Yeah, they are. And and I, I don't think we've seen the last of the arguments over the debt ceiling about whether there should even be a debt ceiling. I mean, whether Congress should be able to authorise spending and then refuse to pay for it, which is roughly what's going on. It all seems, even from where I sit in the UK, it looks ridiculous. It's embarrassing and it doesn't look like any way to, write, to run a country. And, you know, the, the big buyers of American debt would be looking at this and saying, we want to trust the um, American savings products that we buy, so U.S. Treasuries, um, MBS, and what have you, we want to, to trust the dollar, and yet there's this stuff going on in America which undermines faith in those things. So how long are they going to put up with that? How long will they put up with it? Because one of the things I think, William, uh, that many big businesses certainly in, in the U.S. will be wondering is whether we are seen as reliable because obviously big companies also have to take on debt. They have to borrow. Um, how is this ever going to affect the big multinationals, you know, the big computer firms, the airline industry, the construction firms? Well, one consequence of the, the rating uh, decision, and, and I, it really has acknowledged what the markets have already seen for quite a while, that the U.S. governance structure is the ability to contain spending is in question. And as a result, the U.S. Treasuries are now having to pay higher interest rates to compensate for that higher risk. So what's going to happen is that for U.S. companies, it's going to be harder for them to raise money. It's going to be harder for them to finance their investment. Uh, but that's a consequence of this poor governance structure of the country in which they operate. And I think that's something that uh, most companies have learned to, to live with uh, and, and, and acknowledge that there'll be a higher cost. Now, for those who are holders of the U.S. Treasuries, they'll be compensated with higher interest payments. So again, I think the markets will work itself out in terms of repricing U.S. Treasuries in a way that makes people confident in being able to hold U.S. Treasuries as a source of savings. In terms of trying to understand the markets, oh, you're shaking your head, Ina. Let's let's see what you want to say. Oh, I, I, I'm sorry. I completely disagree with my colleague. First off, uh, the uh, it's not about containing spending. It's about inflation, and that's why the Fed has been increasing rates. 
as they've increased the rates, that means people who bought before then, they've seen the value of the treasuries they bought plummet. That's why we've had issues like Silicon Valley Bank going under, as well as others. So this, I, I don't even know where you're coming up with this idea that this is somehow about the impossibility of curtailing social spending is the problem. The problem is that the U.S. is less competitive. If you look at inflation, uh, and in, in terms of wages and where it's going, you'll note that services within the U.S., whether a hospital or education, have soared, literally going up 10, 12 times, whereas actual goods coming from the rest of the world have remained fairly steady, but in some cases even gone down. So the inflation that the U.S. is facing is of its own making. Uh, it's, a, it's a highly uh, service economy, and when those wages go up, it's not like uh, putting the interest rates higher by the Fed is going to make people feel less sick or decide they don't need an education. Uh, William, I'm going to ask you to come back in. You were shaking your head through all of that. Yes, absolutely. I mean, that's a non sequitur that uh, Anya has just talked about because inflation is a global problem that resulted from the supply problems caused by the COVID and also the war between Russia and Ukraine. Uh, we see that before the COVID, uh, U.S. had for 10 years uh, inflation rates of less than 2%, and the global economy has been in a disinflation period. So so the fact that uh, he's, the inflation is brought up is, is really a non sequitur. It's not relevant. What's relevant is that the U.S. Treasury has not been able to sell its bonds at a low interest rate because the, the markets are slowly losing confidence that they'll be able to get back the same value that they put in. Uh, so, so I think this is a long-term problem that has to do with the size of the deficit, as Francis just talked about. And, and being able to contain the size of the deficit is the main issue, which Janet Yellen and every other Secretary of Treasury has, has talked about, and every, every Federal Reserve chairman has talked about, that the U.S. is on a non-sustainable fiscal trajectory, and we need to contain the, the size of the deficit, both spending and by raising taxes. Well, I can see that you guys aren't going to agree on that at all. Let's go back to Francis uh, over in Rochester, because obviously it was only, what, this week that we saw uh, the Bank of England raise its base interest rate. And I'm just wondering from where you're positioned in the United Kingdom, how, you know, the Bank of England watches what's going on in America, understands uh, the, the spending issues uh, and the, the debt ceiling and, and why uh, the Treasury is so angry at, at the Fitch rating. How does... How does raising bank rates in the UK and dealing with inflation relate to what's going on in, in the US? Because every country's trying to deal with inflation at the moment, aren't they, globally? Yeah, absolutely. Um, inflation is, is, a, is a global problem. Um, inflation in my country is actually worse than in the US at the moment. And I actually don't think it's directly related to the size of the fiscal deficits. I mean, we have a sizable fiscal deficit at the moment because of the uh, COVID pandemic. Um, we had all that in the aftermath of the financial crisis when everybody was terribly worried about fiscal debts and deficits and, and everything was going to go terribly wrong, and it didn't. Um, and I'm wary about raising those as the particular bugbears um, and, and, uh, and again, because I think some of the policies uh, followed at that time were incredibly damaging. What I would rather focus on, I think, is actually looking at this from a global perspective to see what really what the drivers of the American deficit are. Um, because um, one of the things that I've noticed, and it's been written about by some people, like Ellen Ray, um, for example, um, is that the US kind of acts as consumer of last resort for the whole world. So if you've got a whole world where lots and lots of countries are trying to produce, trying to follow export-led 
growth strategies and build up foreign exchange reserves, somewhere has got to run a deficit. And those countries, particularly, and the IMF has commented on this, particularly over the last few years, have been the US and the UK. And I don't think it's any accident that those are the countries actually really have the biggest problem with inflation. Aina uh, Tangan, can I just come back to you? Because China has been pushing over several years to push the yuan as an alternative to the dollar. Um, it's made no secret uh, in that respect. Um, but it's backed off recently. What's going on there? Is it because the, the dollar is too established and too strong uh, and globally recognised as a reliable fund uh, and, and money to actually invest in? Why is there perhaps, dare I say it, no faith in the one, or is that still work in progress? Well, I, I think you're mischaracterizing. I don't think that they lack faith in it. They're, they're the ones who've been putting together a, a digital currency. Uh, they've been playing that out, doing it very slowly. They want to make sure that it works. Uh, they are also doing currency swaps with uh, a lot of the nations that they are doing business with. Remember, China has about a, over 100, uh, almost 120 nations where it is the primary uh, trade um, uh, contributor, uh, one way of getting, in terms of both way trade. Um, but, you know, let's be saying, I don't understand where my colleagues are coming from. I would really like them to tell what they just said to the man on the street in the U.S. They, people have lost 4% of their real income due to inflation. Europe, even more. Uh, Great Britain as well, saying that inflation somehow doesn't matter. I, I, I find that highly strange, given that the U.S. is focused on it, that it's raising rates and forcing other countries to do exactly the same. Uh, in terms of Ch uh, China, uh, it's not letting off, but this is a time of great uncertainty. This is not the time to push forward. There's obviously some uh, coming up with the BRICS meeting. Uh, it's coming up next in the near future. Uh, they will be looking at a BRICS currency. I don't know how far that's going to go, but it's not about replacing the dollar. The, the U.S. Uh, violated the terms of its own agreement not to weaponize SWIFT. That's a system that settles bank accounts on a, a daily basis so everything can square out. It has to be very, very secure because you have so many transactions. And it was the U.S. who said they would never do that. They would never weaponize it and then did. The U.S. is uh, routinely now using it as a weapon against any country it doesn't uh, view as following its criteria. And that includes a lot of countries right now. Mm -hmm. So at this juncture, you know, you, you, you have a situation where uh, China is trying to be an adult in the room. And the U.S., as uh, my colleagues have pointed out, does not have its house in order. Well, it it's, it's certainly seems to be like that. But can I just, we're coming to the end of the program. I just want to get Francis's uh, opinion and Williams, because really, if we move this on now, we're coming to two huge general elections in the United Kingdom and in the US in 2024. Uh, Francis, can I come to you first? Because, you know, international relations, uh, the relationship, the special relationship between the United Kingdom and America is uh, uh, one of those things that they can never be broken. Uh, yet both administrations don't always quite see eye to eye. But when it comes to finances and inflation, are they working together? How do you assess the way that they're trying to conduct and deal with inflation and the problems that the general public has at large, as Ina mentioned, you know, some of them losing their homes? Yeah, I think both countries are really paddling their own canoes on this. The, the, Amer Amer the Fed is, is trying to get inflation under control its way, and it's it, that is its primary consideration. That and obviously the secondary, the other mandate of unemployment, and it's doing well on that. 
Um, you know, it's not going to be concerned about what's going on in other countries. And similarly, the Bank of England's responsibility is the domestic economy of the UK, and it'll only take guidance or follow the lead of the Fed to the extent that, that the British economy is affected by global forces, in particular by things like the strength of the dollar and the cost of energy, um, which is priced in dollars. So um, it, it's not uh, uh, where the US leads, the UK follows, as it's often portrayed. It's really more that, um, it, that there's sufficient um, dependence between sure. the US, UK and the US for the Let UK me just get a final comment then. Sorry to butt in there, Francis. We are coming to the end. A final comment, William, from you. I mean, is this going to be a huge issue as we lead towards a presidential election now? Absolutely. And, and the US, US remains the most powerful country in the world. And that's why its currency is being used for every transaction around the world. And the U.S. government and politics going forward is going to have to ensure that the U.S. Uh, position is, is, is continues to be the most powerful country and that people okay. remain confident that the U.S. dollar can be used. Well, we'll see what does happen. It's been great to speak to all three of you. Thanks to my guests, William Lee, Ina Tangan and Francis Coppola for joining me on this edition of Inside Story. This episode was produced by Mohamed Elaishi, Katia Lopez-Hodayan, Ben Clark and Jim Gilchrist. Studio sound was by Yara Atala. The programme was edited by Lira Messina, Khaled Sultan and Joe DeFries. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thank you for listening. Tune in on Monday for our next episode. This week on The Take, we ask why the U.S. is sending weapons it no longer uses to Ukraine. That's The Take by Al Jazeera. Get it wherever you get your podcasts.